Paul, I saved the best for last. You're here. It's the final episode of the Tom Hanks movie season. You know, for this being my second season of Jackie Watches Stuff, being the guest host for the finale, I'm I'm honored. Thank you. I I love it. I also love that you for you just blocked out one of the times in your mind because this I think is your third time back, sir. Well, this is this is my fourth time back, but it's my second time doing a finale. Oh, okay. Yes. So Got I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> I will take that. I will take that. Um, so I have been watching Tom Hanks movies uh, that, are, that are classics that I've not seen in release order. And to cap it off, the movie that I have not yet seen is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, this is a good one. I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. I mean, all I know is that it's Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, and the cover of the DVD jacket is blurry. So, <laughs> it's is it? It's a, I'm assuming there's some. Is there some running involved? Like, is oh, it the, literally catch me if you can? <laughs> <laughs> there is there is copious running throughout the film. <laughs> oh, so so we've got Tom Hanks doing more running. Does he run more than he did when he was Forrest Gump, or less? You know, I would say probably less than than when he was Forrest Gump. But I mean, I mean, anytime Tom Hanks is running, it's just a good time, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to see it. I'm glad your reaction gives me gives me some good thoughts. So, um, any like, I don't know. I, I've gone through a lot of emotions lately with Tom Hanks. Am I am I going to feel things? See, I feel like the story is more focused on Leo and and Tom Hanks while he's great in the role he's more of a mysterious character that you figure out who he is towards the end, but um, you're going to, you're going to fall in love with, with Leo's storyline. I mean, it's, it's great. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm ready to go see some more Leo. It's been a while, so I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to Jackie watches stuff. This is a podcast chronicling my cinematic quest to finally watch the movies. I probably should have already seen and I'm bringing my friends along with me. Yeah, Paul, this was not a Tom Hanks movie. I mean, he was in it and played a big a role, <laughs> but it was a it was a Leonardo DiCaprio film. Oh, total total Leonardo DiCaprio film. But I mean, you gotta just love Kyle Hanratty. Just just you know. <laughs> yeah, with, what with was super, that? See, that's the thing. Is it a Boston accent that he's doing? I mean, I, I cannot tell. I have no idea what he was trying to go for. It was like Boston meets Jersey meets New York. And I know those are all very similar, but they're different. But he did them all, all, all there. What can't this man do? What can he do? I feel like he has this twang already with his voice. He has a very recognizable voice. And so when you throw like a, like a regional accent on top of it, it's always like, oh, he's from Boston, Jersey, York. Like, yeah, cool. basically that. Yeah, that's exactly where he's from. He's from like the Narnia, Narnian land of Boston, Jersey, York, where they yes. talk like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm excited to recap this, my final recap of the season. Um, will, you, will you do the honor of timing me? Absolutely. All right. Three, two, one, go. 
okay, there's a kid, Frank, and his uh, family, they lose a lot of money, and he starts at this new school and just pretends to be the substitute teacher. And, like, that's kind of a thing for him. And he catches his mom cheating on his dad, and suddenly they get divorced, and Frank has to choose who to live with with, like, no warning at all. So he just decides to run away and then tries his hand at being a con artist, but he does, like, not stellar. But then he figures out how to, like, fake his whole life, including being an airplane pilot and forging checks. So he travels this country and becomes a, quote, doctor and a, quote, lawyer and, like, does all these things. But then he flees to France. But then he gets caught and then he escapes again and his world kind of crashes down around him. But then it ends with him working in the fraud check something forgery department. <laughs> All right. So that was 40 seconds on the That dot, was rough. That was rough. No, but you know what? For a, for a movie that, you know, pushes two and a half hours, I will let it slide. That was Thank that was you. a very concise, concise review of that. You would think that by now I would either, one, abandon the 30-second recap or just make it a 60-second recap because I have yet to be able to make it in 30 seconds. Like, it, it's been a while <laughs> since I've made it in 30 seconds. But uh, thanks, everyone, for for uh, sticking with me as I fumble through this. If there's an avid listener who can take the stats on how long these recaps are and compile it, I know oh, that the average I person... Yes, the average length of a 30-second recap, I would be grateful. I would guess it's definitely above 30 seconds. <laughs> it is at least 40. Man, um, I I want to start by talking about, like, how, as much as I hate to say it, I was totally cheering for Frank to make it as a, a quote, pilot. I loved the hustle where he was pretending to be a high school reporter and learn all the basics about airplane travel, but all the stuff that like he knew he would be asked to kind of prove that he's a pilot. Like when he asked, like, what are the retirement benefits like? And and those types of things, that was awesome. But I do love that he learned all of the important stuff, not only about being an airline pilot, but about being like a doctor and maybe a lawyer. Yeah, and a lawyer from TV. Yes. Oh. I love it. I love it. As do I know. And it's, you know, you see, you know, he kind of has the groundwork of, you know, being a con artist from his father. And then, but then realizes, you know, early on that what his father is doing is old fashioned and people are catching on to it. And you can't just go hotel to hotel and bounce checks. And it's when he thinks bigger and he puts his imagination into all of it. You know, that's when like, you see the wheels turn and I, and I love that he just builds off of what Frank senior gave him. Oh yeah, absolutely. But mm -hmm. he's, he's smart. I mean, he goes and basically dates, um, the, the banker girl, Elizabeth Banks, BT dubs, just to learn like what the numbers at the bottom of the check mean and, and how they travel so that he could get away with all of this. It was, it was so cool, but yeah, I applaud it. Me too. And like, just to, kind of tangent can we just quickly touch base on how many like huge actresses there were in this movie who were just starting off in their careers or like like who were no names back in 2002 i mean elizabeth banks and amy adams it was like her first movie ever yeah and jennifer garner was in it too and i love seeing all of them like it was mm -hmm. so much fun to see all these cameos yes i loved it it took me a while to place elizabeth banks i was like wait she looks so familiar it's Elizabeth Banks. So many cameos. I love it. So many cameos. I love it. And, and my fun fact about Jennifer Garner is she filmed her scene in one day because she was filming Alias at the time and could not get away from Alias to, you know, film more, more than a day. So, so, so she literally 
got the script like I think like the week prior, and all of you know it, it's only like a handful of scenes, but everything Jennifer Garner was filmed in one day. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. She did so good. Can I I know you're supposed to be able to talk about your talking point next, but I have a Jennifer Garner talking point related. So I'm just gonna skip yours and you can Please. go twice. It's like go a right schoolyard ahead. pick style. Like I go first. <laughs> nope, that's not how it works. Because if I go first, then you're supposed to pick twice. Whatever. Jennifer Garner, that <laughs> scene. He meets Jennifer Garner, who is a like was a young girl on the cover of a magazine, but now she's a supermodel slash basically prostitute. And not only does he like pass off one of his checks successfully, he makes $400 in cash and gets sex. Oh, and gets sex. It is, it is amazing. And like, he's, I mean, there's no guarantee that that check is even going to clear. So he, just made four hundred four hundred dollars bottom line. I mean, and got sex. And got, and then of course got sex. <laughs> oh my god! It's like not even a worthwhile talking point. I'm so sorry, listeners, that this is such a throwaway talking point. But it's just like I was like, wow, this guy's got it, got it together, for real, for real. And, and like, and you are constantly rooting for Leo in, in the movie, and you and then you just realize. Oh my God, he's seventeen. He is so young. Oh my God, he's a child, and he he's is so young. having lots of sex with older people. Oh my I God, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. He is very young, not as young as Titanic Leo, but still young. Still young, still young. Which, which also kind of wraps into Leo's career. Feels like it's been going on for so long, but then you realize that, like, when he filmed Catch Me If You Can, he was in his early twenties. Like, he's. Yep. He's got such a long way to go. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. I definitely anticipate a Leonardo DiCaprio season coming up um, for sure for Jackie Watch's stuff because he's got a lot going on. But yeah, he is so young. But I loved him in, in the role. So I think he did a really good job. I did too. I did too. He, he definitely has, has the panache to bring the role to life, which I mean, it's, it was very cool to see him do it. There was also an accent situation happening there too. Lots of accents. <laughs> Lots of accents. Lots of accents. So now that I skipped over your talking point to talk about Jennifer Gardner and money and sex, money, sex, and drugs, <laughs> did you have any talking points you would like to address to get off your chest? Well, I mean, does a does does like a fun fact count as a talking point? Because I have quite a few fun facts about this movie that I just love. I don't know if you want to burn them now or save them for our fun facts <laughs> segment. So it's up that's to right, you that's right. if you want to I burn it. This, <laughs> this new format is, I know we switched it up me. on you. <laughs> no, um, I, I just, I, I am absolutely enthralled with this cast and how you have so many big names. You have Christopher Walken and you have all of these, you know, young actors who are coming into their own and, you know, of course you have Leo and nobody steps on each other's toes. Everything is very, you know, it's not formulaic, but it, it just, it, it all goes very well together. And yes, Leo obviously is like the main attraction, but oh my gosh, just the, the ensemble as a whole is just phenomenal. Yeah. I think Christopher Walken was a, honestly, like I would say this is a Leonardo DiCaprio and Christopher Walken movie. It is not a Tom Hanks movie as much as I hate to say it like I really think they they were kind of more the stars 
Um, while Tom Hanks had, I think, probably arguably a, quote, larger role um, mm. than Christopher Walken, I feel like, I don't know, I just really, really like their dynamic. I like both of their performances. I love that scene where uh, Leo takes him out to dinner. He's like, my son bought me a, a Chevy or a Corvette or whatever. Um, uh, Cadillac. Cadillac. All, I, mm-hmm. I said that obviously um but yeah i just i really really uh agree i definitely agree with you this is a stellar cast and it's you know it's 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 the you know when, when you're talking about the source material and the actual frank abagnale re- really has has said that you know there he never really had a father figure in his life um and so like the the, the addition of christopher walken was kind of an exaggeration but um or sorry, Christopher Walken's, you know, role as Frank senior, yeah. uh, kind of an exaggeration, but, uh, he, you know, he, like, he makes this so believable and it's this, it's Leo's yearning to have a father who approves of him. And you see Frank senior kind of like fall back out of his con artist ways. And he's like, I'm just going to pay the IRS and I'm just going to move on with my life. And yeah. my wife left me and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it's, it's Leo who, has this image of his father or sorry yeah frank jr has this image of his father in his head which is just not attainable and 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 it's so unattainable because christopher walken does it so well yeah absolutely i not that i think we could have had the opportunity to watch their relationship more um but it would have been so neat to see that play out a bit more like it would have been really interesting to watch you know, his father deal with Frankie being gone, deal with like, what am I going to do? Deal with the IRS, deal with the divorce. Oh my God, the divorce. That was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, like you said earlier, this movie is a long one. So we didn't really need more content. I'm sure a lot of this stuff was probably filmed and then cut. Um, But it's definitely a dynamic we don't see a ton of. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was, Man, they're so good. They're so good, yeah. And like you don't you don't see a lot of the father son dynamic, but it is Frank Jr.'s sole motivation, you know, from the beginning. He's always talking about getting the furs back, getting the lifestyle back, getting mom back. He's it's everything he does, even when even when Frank Jr. is you know like four or five years deep into this massive con, it is still always about getting the lifestyle back that he had when he was sixteen. Well, yeah, because. I mean, do is this where we talk about the the wild circumstances of these of the divorce? That was yes. traumatized. Like, I don't know a time. I mean, I am young, all things considered, <laughs> but I did not know if there was ever a time when you know two adults with a child decide to get divorced, don't tell their kid, and the kid finds out about it because. A, a attorney who whoever this guy was comes in and says surprise your parents are getting divorced pick one that's 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 not how this works that's not how any of this works <laughs> no it's not and it's but at the same time like it's also the 60s so right you, know, you, can, you kind of believe it yeah I guess, but, but man it oh, but how traumatizing gut-wrenching and you know and then frank jr of course just takes off and does you know, he he just he just runs, it's, and it's because he loves both of his parents so much, and ugh, yeah, heartbreaking. It is interesting that he doesn't seem to resent um, or show any anger towards his mother for quote 
causing this, I put in large quotes, um, because he does discover her affair. Um, and he, I think it'd be very easy for him to blame her and be like, you know, it's your fault. I'm going with dad. I'm never speaking to you again kind of thing. But instead he just, it's very clear that he loves both of them. And I mean, Mm -hmm. to see your life crumbling around you and it's overwhelming. And he pulls a Tom Hanks and just runs from his problems. I pulled Forrest Gump back into it again for a second Ooh. time. Um, <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, Carl Hanratty is also kind of running from his own problems too. Oh, absolutely. In a way. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, there is, I wish, no offense, Paul, I wish I had called a like psychiatrist or psychologist to, uh, to talk about this movie with me <laughs> just because it's like, let's get deep in the mind of Carl. Like, let's figure this out. What is he thinking? But mm-hmm. man, oh man. Did you have any other things that you wanted to address in this film? Well, so so yeah, so I have I have I have I have a talking point, and I have debated it with people who I've watched the movie with, and so I feel like this is an appropriate arena to to bring it up. Let's go. In. Is Catch Me If You Can a Christmas movie? <gasps> I why did I know you were going to say this? <laughs> because when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, does that make this a Christmas movie? Because everybody thinks Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, God. So I – if okay, here's what I think. I think that anybody who thinks Die Hard is a Christmas movie should think that this is a Christmas movie because the justification of, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie is, well, it happens on Christmas. Well, friends, who gets a phone call every Christmas? Mr. Carl from our friend Frank. So like, yeah, is this a Christmas movie? Like it there's there's no death or whatever. There's less death than Die Hard. But I would Very true. I will argue because I argue that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. This is definitely not a Christmas movie. But I love that you brought this up. See, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. I don't think that in the traditional sense that it's a Christmas movie. And I made my point of saying that it's a Wonderful Life. I don't think necessarily is a Christmas movie as well, though I think it falls on the Christmas movie category more so than Die Hard would. Would I? You know my opinion. Die Hard is not a Christmas. Movie. No, it is not a Christmas but, movie. Thank you. But even but even though Carl Hanratty is getting calls on Christmas, and then and then Frank Junior is eventually caught in in France on Christmas Eve, you also see the juxtaposition of when. Frank is 16. His parents are together after his father wins the award at the, I think it's the L club that he belongs to. Oh yeah. And like the that, rotary that or something. Is, yes. The rotary. And that's also on Christmas Eve. So you see what Frank's life is like Christmas Eve with his parents. They're very much in love. He's happy. And then every subsequent year is just worse and worse and worse. And so yeah. it's all, so, I mean, it's, it's his life. And, and I guess, Christmas is a checkpoint as to, you know, you know, it's kind of a barometer where, where, where are you at, Frank? You know, what's, what's, what's going on? So I don't know. I would, I wouldn't watch this around Christmas, but I feel like it's very interesting how integral the holidays play before Frank, you know, was, uh, you know, Frank Jr. was the crazy con artist that he was. And, you know, before, you know, he worked for the FBI. I did not realize that that whole, uh, that scene that was Christmas with his family. I didn't even think about that. That was a really Mm -hmm. good point. Man, getting so deep here. I love it. (laughs) 
Well, actually, that kind of segues a little um, into one of my points I wanted to talk about, which was the relationship with Carl and Frank. I think this is so important um, mm-hmm. in the film. I mean, we just talked about it, but he uh, Frank calls Carl on Christmas, and it was painful when mm-hmm. he said, you know, Frank, why are you calling me? And he said, oh, it's because you have no one else to call. And I was just like, oh, my God, like that hurts your heart. Like, it hurts so bad. But then there's the scene where, um, in France, where Carl, like, kind of balances doing his job and looking out for Frank. Like, that to me felt like him being a human and not trying to be, like, a sneaky – is he a cop or a detective? Whatever he is. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just – I don't know. Their relationship is so interesting um, to me, and it definitely grows quickly throughout the film. Yeah, it, it definitely grows, and like you, you, you see, like when when they meet the first time at the um, at the hotel in in California, um, mm-hmm. it's 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 very much so hatred on on Carl's end, and he's he he's been duped. It's disgust. He needs to get him at all costs, and then. Well, the, the the point of the movie, which which like hits so hard for me, is when, you know, like you said, they're in France, um, uh, and you know, he they're he's talking to Frank about there are French cops outside. They're going to arrest you. They're going to kill you unless I bring you out myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Frank buys Frank buys what he thinks is Carl's bluff. And then as soon as these French officers like start like screaming at him and like throw him in the car and like they're like freaking out on Frank. You see Carl do a 180 saying, I'm gonna extradite you, I'm gonna get you back, like we're gonna get you home. Yeah. And, and that, that always hits me where it's like he has grown to really care for Frank, where in in a matter of five minutes he's gone from I'm bringing you in, bud, this is it, to holy shit, we need to extradite you as soon as possible. Yeah. Or even I mean mm. the the thing that was so interesting to me was the scene where um, Carl goes and visits him in prison, not the one that opens the movie, um, but where he's there on the phone in the glass, the typical kind of like visiting somebody in jail scene. Um, yes. and, and while he does come and say, oh, you know, I've got this check. I want you to take a look at it. I don't think he just came there to have Frank look at a check. I, I think it was more to be like, I want to check in on this kid and, you know, maybe I'll bounce this off of him, see what's going on. Um, yeah. And it's so, it's just so nice. And I mean, he shared, Carl shares it at, towards the end that, you know, he had a family and he, he uh, quote, I mean, I don't want to say lost his child, but um, his mm-hmm. ex-wife has custody of his daughter. And so he doesn't know where she is or, or what's going on with her. And I think Carl has regrets there um, and maybe is trying to live vicariously like, fatherhood through frank who knows but um it's just such a nice and an interesting relationship it really is and and you know the best part about that meeting in in jail is do you know when that takes place no oh is it christmas eve christmas eve (gasps) yep i need to rewatch this film i think it's going to be my christmas movie (laughs) i think i am going to watch it on christmas people watch die hard on christmas i can watch catch me if you can of course, why not? Dang. <laughs> but but you're right. It's you know it, the the bounce check from Arizona was more of an afterthought. It was more so here. I bought you Flash comic books. Let's you know 
here you go. You know, how are they, how are they feeding you? Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Gosh, such a nice relationship. <laughs> I have to ask you, what is your favorite like scheme or uh con that you, that he pulled off? Oh, my favorite con that he pulled off. I, <laughs> I gotta say, I, I think that my favorite, I, and, and, and I always laugh. My favorite con was was when he was the doctor, <sighs> and he 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 picked all of his candy stripers, and mm-hmm. he just has to be on call in case you know something bad happens. So he just does nothing in his office, and the first time he goes down to like the ER and sees like bloody sheets and like every (laughs) actual like dying people with this kid with a protruding bone after falling off of a bike and he's just like doctor do you do you concur do do i concur about what do you concur that he fell off this bike (laughs) (laughs) that that i think is my favorite con that he pulled impersonating a doctor is hard oh my god yeah yeah you can't even like i mean he pulled the like i concur line from television but there are things that you cannot get from from TV. You, you need some actual medical training. But that scene, what killed me the most actually is when he took that swab on the like pliers thing and just kept tapping his mouth on it. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, totally uh, hiding his his visceral disgust at what he was oh looking at. Oh my gosh, yeah. He's like, hmm, yes. Mm, well, it doesn't look like you need me anymore. And he just kind of throws it away. Oh my gosh. Too funny. <laughs> oh my God. That was good. The other... The other scheme that I love, and we don't we don't get to see a lot of it, it's when he um, when when he became the lawyer, mm. and um, and then you find out at the end when Frank and Carl are talking about, you know, Frank's escapades, and Carl said, "How how did you do it? How did you pass the bar in was it was it Alabama? Um, is, that where, is that where it was? Yeah, it must have been because isn't that where they were for when he was a doctor?" I think so. Yeah, I I, I I think it was Alabama, and he and he says, you know, how did you pass the bar? How how did you how did you cheat the bar? And now how did you cheat to get to get to get your you know bar yeah. how, to, to pass the bar? And he said and he says I didn't cheat. I studied for two weeks and I passed. And it just it it shows holy oh mother of God, this guy is a genius. Yeah, <laughs> like oh my gosh, people study for years and still fail. Uh, the bar. So yeah, that was just too funny. I I honestly thought mm-hmm. um, once that kind of that runner kept coming up of how'd you do it? How'd you do it? I was like, I bet you he just took it. I bet you he just knew mm-hmm. um, that or he charmed the, the test uh, like reviewer. Um, the, those are the other two <laughs> options with the with the necklace line of like, didn't this just fall off your neck in the parking lot? <laughs> Yeah, I found the, I found this on the um, I found this on the sidewalk. Is this yours? Yeah, I think my favorite was the uh, epic. Uh, I think the final Pan Am scene that or Pan Am scheme that he was uh, pretending to be a pilot when he recruited his uh, mm. uh, hostesses, and basically it's those pinstripes. I love that metaphor, the Yankee metaphor that they pull. And I know you're yes. a Red, Red Sox fan, so I hope it didn't hurt you too much for the Yankees oh, to wow. be <laughs> to be referenced in this movie a couple of times. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the idea of like, oh, they're looking at the pinstripes. And so he recruits these gorgeous women to basically serve as like a shield, just like shing, shing, like blocking all of the security guards as they walk by because they're so stunning. Um, but then he, the piece de resistance was 
paying the driver of the car to wear his uniform so that oh, yes. they would that uh, Carl would go for the driver and and be just completely distracted. Like it's just setting up distractions um, to let yourself kind of sneak through. The one thing that kind of bothered me though about this whole thing is I didn't understand why he couldn't just drive to another airport and why he needed to fly out of Miami. Um, but you know, this was a better version of that anyway, but I just, it's like, of course. why didn't you just go to like the Jacksonville airport or something because you knew that the gang was over in Miami airport, but whatever, true. but no, it, I don't so know. Good. Maybe it's, maybe it's because there weren't direct flights to Paris or to France oh, at the time. Good point. Or, you know, didn't think about that. It was the 60s. I was you know, going to say, maybe there were no other airports like very close by. I'm, that was a very 2021 question I just asked. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, 2021, there's not really many flights anyway. So it's <laughs> very, very true. Well, I feel like maybe we should go take a flight to nowhere and then come back and we will do some fast facts. I'm so excited. You already teased that you've got some good ones, so I'm ready. <laughs> I'm excited. Let's do it. Hey, I'm uh, I'm trying Carl's accent. What do you think? I, I got some announcements. Well, first I have to thank all of our Academy level and above supporters for their amazing support of the show. They are Ebru, Lindsay, Logan, Donna, Tom, Hannah, Mick, Missy, Paul, Bree, Jarrett, and Linda. Thank you all so much. If you want a special shout out on every episode of Jackie Watches Stuff, plus access to super cool and exclusive content, head over to our Patreon page. We're at patreon.com slash Jackie Watches Stuff, or you can just go to our show notes and you'll find a link there. You can get a shout out, early access to episodes, and even an invitation to our monthly live shows. You can also support the show by following us on Twitter. We're at Jackie Watches and tell your friends to listen to the show. And if you haven't already, leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podcatcher. It helps other people find the show and it really just makes me feel a lot better about myself. And you never know, if you leave us a review, you might get a shout out. Have you ever thought to yourself, wow, the Jackie Watches stuff logo would look really good on a sweatshirt? How about a notebook with the classic TV icon on it? Well, here I am, making your dreams come true. It's possible. We have a merch store. Go to merch.jackiewatchesstuff.com or head down to our show notes and you can check out the store. All right, uh, we, we got to get back to the show. We're back. How was your flight to Paris? Did I you land I just safely? don't know how... Well, no. I mean, you were in first class and I was in coach and I just don't get it. I mean, it's not right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I What? Yeah. What? Okay. Anyway, let's talk about fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some some fun fast facts. Um, my, I think, favorite fact out of all of this, and it makes it makes sense when you think about it, Leonardo DiCaprio had a hundred war, over a hundred wardrobe changes oh my gosh. throughout the movie. That doesn't even surprise me. Does not even surprise me. I wonder what they consider a wardrobe change, but even still, I mean, when you're talking about a guy being a con man, yes. So, so, so the um, the filmmaker said that a wardrobe change is any scene. So, like when he goes from pilot to 
you know, relaxing to, you know, um, doctor to, you know, out with, you know, Brenda's family, you know, any, any scene where he changes clothes, that is a, that is a wardrobe change right there. Oh, so, so even the time when he's like dirty shirt in the factory, that's a scene or a wardrobe change. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That is a wardrobe change. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, not surprising. (laughs) Um, let's see if I got a good, a good fact. Um, oh, I have a, well, I have another Leo fact. So apparently Steven Spielberg didn't want, um, Leo to meet the real Frank Abagnale, but Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio was like, uh, screw that and went and met him anyway and Mm -hmm. like brought a tape recorder and recorded him and, and kind of learned about him um without telling steven spielberg so i don't know what things he took away from that maybe it was the accent but uh but yeah he so leonardo dicaprio like was a method did a method acting thing i love that right that gives me more respect for him oh my gosh i love that he's a he's a good dude he's an absolutely good dude did you see speaking of the real one i have to jump facts because this is related did you see (laughs) Probably not because I wouldn't have known this. Did you know that the real Frank Abagnale Jr. is in this movie? Wait, no. Is he really? He makes, yeah, he makes a cameo. Do you want to guess what his cameo is? I mean, they only show a picture of the real Frank Abagnale for just like a split second at the end of the movie, right? So I, I wouldn't have any context as to what he looks like. Where was he? You probably wouldn't have even seen him even if you knew what he looked like. He was the cop that like pulls out Leo from the building at the end and like escorts him in the car. Wait, pulls out Leo from the building at the end. So like at the end when – well, it's actually not the end. I keep thinking that's the end of the film. There's still a lot more <laughs> film left after this. It's We're in France. Sorry. We're oh, in France setting the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Carl says, you know – don't go out there. They're going to kill you. You know, I'll bring you out. So they bring him out. And then all the the police force in France like swarm and they like get on him. Mm-hmm. And there's a cop who basically once he is handcuffed, walks Leo to the cop car. And no that way. is the real Frank. That's crazy. Right? That's crazy. It's so cool. I, I love that. I'm going to have to rewatch it now just for that fact. Oh, my God. Honestly, I saw a little clip of it and it's. You can't even see his – I mean, like, it's moving so fast, it's very hard to see his face. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the internet told me, so I hope it's true. I hope I'm not spreading lies. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's in the film, which is so good. That is so cool. I love that. So now I owe you a fact. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, well, let's see. No, well, I, I mean, so I, I have more facts about about the movie as a whole, and I find, I find filmmaking in general and just, like, the timeline of – locations and sets and this that and the other and this that and the other thing is just fascinating um this movie had 140 different locations all over the world they went to montreal they were in los angeles or in florida they they were in new york city they were everywhere they shot it the whole movie in 52 days oh my god yeah I again, I don't know a whole lot about filmmaking, even though I've watched a lot of them and talked about them. Mm-hmm. But that does not seem like a lot of time to film, especially in 140 different locations. Exactly. Yeah, and like and like different countries too. I mean, I, I I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I think that they actually did go to France um, to film the scenes in France, um, mm-hmm. or maybe just like the exterior shots. Um, but yeah, 140 different locations 
um, which which makes the movie feel so authentic. You don't think that it's on some you know soundstage in in Los Angeles. They actually put in the time and effort to do it. I, I've always been you know of the mindset that like a movie when you're filming all the way through can take two months, maybe two and a half months to do. And I'm probably you know that those are probably arbitrary times because I'm, yeah. I you know I, I'm just a a fan of this but yeah but, but 52 days i mean that's like the amazing race i mean that seems like they're <laughs> bouncing all over the place uh, it probably is that's so <laughs> neat though and very interesting i wonder why they had to maybe well i don't know if i want to say had to do it in a condensed time but why mm-hmm. interesting though yeah exactly and then you throw jennifer garner in one of those 52 days yeah, just like hey come on over <laughs> man <Hey, Andrew. laughs> <laughs> i did read um that uh, based on the real Frank Abagnale, mm-hmm. um, that there there were some FBI agents that did actually like chase him, kind of the way that this is depicted. And there wasn't Ooh. really one um, person necessarily who did it all the time, a la the, the Carl mm-hmm. uh, character. But um, one flaw, which I think is very funny considering our earlier conversation, that Frank points out is that he absolutely did not have a relationship with them and definitely did not call them uh, on Christmas saying, like, why would I do that if I didn't want the FBI to know where I was, which (laughs) is very accurate. Um, So that was a part that that Spielberg uh, maybe took some liberties on, let's say. Yes, exactly. I I read that too, that like the, that, you know, Carl Hanready actually is, you know, based off of one particular agent who he was fond of, but didn't really, he wasn't buddy, buddy, or had like this like father son relationship with. Right. And like that, that, and that like the character of Carl Hanready is more of an amalgamation of like all of the, all the federal agents who he kind of tussled with over those five years or so. Yeah, I think it would. I mean, it probably would be a much more boring movie if they made it more true to life. Um, I think a big piece of it, I mean, we talked about it, but a big piece of this film is that relationship between these two guys and losing that I think would still be an interesting film, but not as, not as deep. Exactly. No. And, and you know, the, the character of Carl Hanratty just, it's the, it's what grounds the movie. You have this, you have this like crazy you know, con artists who is all over the world and you have just, there is just one central figure of Carl, not even Christopher Walken, who just, who just grounds him. And, you know, yeah, if, if you don't, if you don't have that, the movie is far less poignant, you know, the movie will be great, but it's, you know, you, you do need Tom Hanks in that typical Tom Hanks, you know, fatherly role. <laughs> right. Making, yeah. You, you know, just kind of bringing the movie back to, you know, back to zero. Yeah, no, I get it. My last fact is about one of my favorite game shows, To Tell the Truth, which gets a little little cameo in this film. Um, So that clip that opens the movie, um, it was not the actual footage, obviously, Mm. um, but the real Frank Abagnale was actually on To Tell the Truth. Um, No panelist actually guessed that that it was him. Um, So he stumped the whole panel in his actual version or his actual episode of To Tell the Truth. Uh, And apparently it's on YouTube, uh, this episode of To Tell the Truth with Frank Abagnale. So you can go watch that. Oh, I will totally, totally check that out. That is so cool. I love it. Yeah. Well, my last last fun fact for you is, again, it's, it's about the movie itself. And that Frank Abagnale... 
you know, so 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 the book was so the book was written in 1980, and or maybe it's before 1980, but the film rights were sold to, I believe, Paramount in 1980, and it took them 22 years to make the movie because of, um, you know, issues with you know you know finding finding the right director and finding the right um, you know, actors for the roles, and I always I always love finding stuff that. You know the the character who the, who Frank Senior who was originally going to be Frank Senior was James Gandolfini, and I would have absolutely loved to have seen that. That there's there's an oh, alternate yeah. universe with James Gandolfini as Frank Senior, and I want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love the current love the current cast. We can't touch it, but like, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love speculating on alternate casts. I love finding those types of facts. So that's a mm-hmm. great, great fact to end on. Thank you for bringing that to the of show. Course. Man, I this was such a great, like, I can't believe the season's over. I'm, I'm so happy to have you back uh, to chat about this movie and celebrate the genius that is Tom Hanks. Thanks for having me back. No, I, you know, I, I, I've listened to all of your other Tom Hanks um, episodes of the season and what a cool theme, you know, and you, you really don't realize how much he has been in. And, you know, regardless if he's, you know, a leading man like in Forrest Gump or kind of like a, you know, peripheral, peripheral figure, um, like in Catch Me If You Can, but no, what a fantastic um, uh, theme theme for a season. Um, ah, yes. So I guess I have... You, you know, my, I, I know that I always ask you, what are your, you know, final thoughts on the movie as a whole? Did you enjoy the movie? Is this, you know, you, I know that you joked about, um, I'll watch it on Christmas, but, um, is this a movie <laughs> that, um, you, you know, sometimes, sometimes you love it, sometimes you don't. Did you enjoy the movie? Yes, I did. Um, I will give it, uh, I will definitely give it a solid, like four, airplane wings out of five. Like I really, (laughs) I really liked it. I definitely want to go back and, and rewatch it and probably try to under, just try to maybe try to uncover more things. At first I was trying to keep track of like characters and like, what's the con and what's he doing. But now that I kind of understand what's coming next, I think I want to take more time to see all the detail that he puts into, especially with the check forging stuff. Um, all the thought that he puts into to all of his cons. I really liked it. Um, and you know, it's young Leo and Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks talking with an accent. You hear? Tom Taxi. Hanks talking with, talking with that accent. It's, it's hand ratty, not hands ratty. It's hand ratty. Cow. <laughs> yeah. Cop, cop. I mean, there is a whole scene in the beginning where he's screaming his name over dumping rain in France. So yes. And yes. that's how we should all Think about Tom Hanks and going forward. Just to point out that scene where he's screaming over all the rain, it's Christmas Eve. Oh my God, it's always Christmas Eve. Because then he comes back to the States and he finds out that his father dies. And then he runs to be with his mother and it's Christmas Eve and she's eating Christmas Eve dinner with her family. And it's just oh. another barometer of, oh my God, here he is again. Man. It all comes back to Christmas, doesn't it? It always does. Thanks so much, Paul, for hanging out with me this week and talking about Catch Me If You Can. You are better than $400 cash. Go follow Paul on Twitter. He's at Paul underscore Horton 45. 
Thanks again to all of our patrons. And don't forget, if you want to support the show and get awesome stuff in return, head over to our Patreon page or look in the show notes. You can get cool stuff for as little as $2 a month. And that's a wrap for season four. It was so much fun to chat about Tom Hanks this season. We're taking a little bit of a break, but we'll be back on June 11th. See you then.